Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. What's interesting about this message today is last Shabbat, if you remember, uh, I gave a message from a really remarkably obscure passage, uh, Andronicus and Junia. I, m- I imagine none of you had really remembered or knew of them. I know that I had not done any in-depth study on them. Andronicus and Junia is so unusual uh, a text that we really studied and, 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 and took all that information about Paul, Rabbi Shaul, understood uh, some of the depths of it, understood some of the anti-Semitic leanings of teachings that sometimes people put about Paul, uh, misappropriate him in many ways. Uh, and, and in any case, we, we dug deep on something really obscure. But that's the great thing about the Word of God is that there's so much meat in it, right, Nephi? I mean, it, there really is. It's just amazing that you can take something really obscure and yet find great depth and rich meaning in it because it's the, God's Word. I mean, if you think about the, the Scriptures. And you can take Scriptures that you've heard a gazillion times, and, right, Elba, and then hear something completely new, and, and it just speaks to you in a new, fresh way. And what was interesting to me is, as I was working on these messages, is that last week's so obscure, this week's are Scriptures that I've heard all my life. And, and know well, but yet new manna, new manna, if you know what manna is, new manna from heaven. So I hope it speaks to you. We're going to start in Revelation chapter 3. That's at the very end of the book. Revelation chapter 3, please. And, and these are the words we read in Revelation chapter 3 that are spoken by Yeshua in John's vision. Yochanan had this vision, of course, and... Uh, uh, and and he, it was Yeshua in part, he was speaking at least towards the beginning here, Revelation chapter 3, and, and what he's speaking here is a pretty deep word, and it's a message to the people who were believers in the congregation of Laodicea, okay? Uh, and so this is, this is a congregation, there's a group of believers, if you will, but there's some issues going on with these believers, something is not quite kosher. Uh, amongst the Ma'amanim. Okay, and so let's read in Revelation chapter 3 what's not exactly right with this group of people who are so-called followers of God. He says this, and there's a message in here for us. And as a side note, I tell you that uh, in my email to the congregation, I said this would be a challenging message. And it is, it did, indeed it is a challenging message, but hopefully an encouraging message at the end of the day, to encourage us as to what we need to be focusing on. So let's hear the words of Yeshua, right? Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 15. It says, 
I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. Oh, that you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. Woo, boy, lukewarm. Uh, you know, nothing worse than lukewarm water. Ugh, lukewarm. It's, it's that, that tepid water. It's no good to drink, right? You, you want something cold or you want a hot, hot tea or something, but, man, lukewarm. It's like, mmm. And, and that's what Yeshua says, but, but he's, he's talking about us and our, and our deeds and what we do. And, again, he's talking to the believers. I wish you were hot or cold. You know, it's interesting. I... I, I you all, I, I, I would contemplate, I can understand why he wants us to be hot, hot for God, you know, and working for the Lord, and that makes sense, but why would he rather us be cold? It says he'd rather us be cold than lukewarm, rather cold, that's interesting, and you, and you really have to dig deep and think about that, but he'd rather you be cold because when you're lukewarm, you're oftentimes very complacent. And, and, and you, really, uh, you, you don't really realize the temperature loss. When you're cold, you're cold. I, I remember, in fact, exactly a year ago, right now, <laughs> in fact, a year ago at this very moment, I was in Antarctica, okay? <laughs> it, was, it was thankfully before the, the pandemic, but we took this remarkable trip to the southern continent, and we were in Antarctica. And let me tell you, we knew that we were cold. <laughs> it was cold. It was cold. And it wasn't even as cold as it could have been. Uh, when, we, when we were shopping before we went down there, we were buying clothes that we didn't know existed because they said, you got to bring so many layers because you don't know what the, they said. You know, it could be as warm, and it turned out to be nice and warm. It was, uh, you know, in the 20s, <laughs> it was, which was hot. Antarctica was hot. They said, but it could be as low as, you know, 30, 40 below. I was like, okay. So we brought all these layers. But, but even then, I mean, sometime at night it did get quite cold. But when it's cold, you know it's cold. At one point we, uh, we did the, the polar plunge in, into the ocean. <laughs> we did, Steve. Can you believe this? Eliana was the smart one in our family. She did not go in. She just took the pictures and the video. <laughs> but but the, the other three of us dove into the ocean, and the ocean, the Antarctic Ocean there, is actually even colder than, because when water freezes, it freezes at 32 degrees, of course, but if it's salt water, it has a lower freezing temperature. So it was about 29 degree water we were... <laughs> We weren't in long, trust me. <laughs> I mean, it was, a, it was a quick dip, dunk, and get out. Okay, but it was cold. You know you're cold if you're cold. See, this is why God says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. It's very intense. Listen, I'm not, I'm not a poker player. Some of you I know maybe play cards and all. I'm not a poker player. But I've occasionally paused on a channel where the professionals are playing in these big tournaments. You know when you're flipping through, you see these poker tournaments and it's always funny with, with the cards and everything, and the, and the announcers are, okay, and now he's got a four, and wow, a four of hearts. Oh, my goodness, it's another six. What? No, it's like, wow, it's, 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 it's like it's a football game or something, you know? It's just these people with these cards. It's, it's kind of funny. 
but, but they've got these big tournaments. They're playing the, the poker and all. And, and, and it's interesting. You know, you flip through, you watch for a couple minutes. And the interesting moment comes when no matter the size of your stack, the stack of your chips, which represents money, but no matter the size of the stack of your chips, if you feel confident in your hand, you say the words that makes everyone at the table pay attention. Sometimes these, these tournaments last literally not just hours, but days as, as they play these tournaments. It's unbelievable. And, uh, and everybody's just playing and kind of, you know, it's kind of chill. And then somebody says the words, all in. All in. And everybody at the table just kind of goes, ooh, ooh. Everybody looks around, okay, like, okay, something's going on here. Something's happening here. Whoa, that dude just went all in. That's pretty intense. All in means you're putting all of your chips in the pot. You are not holding back anything. You are risking it all. You are fully committed. It's always quite a moment. And, you know, the announcers are like, oh, he went all in. Oh, my gosh, he's all in. Whoa. You know? It's like a Super Bowl or something. Symbolically, just sometimes they literally push all their chips in the middle of the stack. And they say those two words, all in. And that just means everybody's like, okay. And it's intense. They're risking everything. They're risking their whole tournament, everything on, on those cards that they have. All in. It's interesting. Uh, Hanukkah Sameach to you, of course. Uh, and... and when did Hanukkah happen? It happened in the intertestamental period, in between the, the Tanakh, when the Tanakh was written, and then the Brit Hadashah, the New Covenant, was written. That's about the time frame of the Hanukkah story, somewhere around 160 to 170 years before Yeshua, okay? And so that's the time frame, and it happened, of course, in Judea, uh, Israel of, of today, and, uh, and, and at that time, Judea had been taken over by the Seleucid Empire, which was a remnant of Alexander the Great's conquest, now run by the Syrian Greeks. So Alexander the Great of, uh, of Greece, and all, he came in and took over much of the world, as you know. But then after Alexander the Great, his kingdom kind of got split up and partitioned and, and divided up a little bit. And the Seleucid Empire, which was the Syrian Greek Empire, uh, eventually had a control of Judea. And, and traditionally, um, what, what they would do, of course, is they brought in their false gods, the Greek gods, and they brought in their culture. And, uh, and, and this influenced some of the Jewish people who became very Greek in orientation. They were called Hellenistic Jews. Because if you understand the story of Hanukkah, it will help you understand the new covenant better. Because you still see this dynamic and this... Uh, this conflict going on in the New Covenant between the Hellenistic Jews and the Zealots or the religious Jews. Okay, and so you had these two groups. You had this group of Jews in, in Judea who were like, okay, the Greeks, because you know the Greeks at that time, they, they ruled most of the world and they kind of thought they were all of that. Thank you very much. They were all of that. They thought that they, they thought we've pretty much figured out about everything there is to know. There may be a couple of little things we don't know, but we don't think so. There's not much we don't. I mean, the Greeks had that kind of mentality. Like, we are so far ahead of anybody else in the world intellectually and, 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 and uh, culturally and, and, of course, all of, our, all, all of our many gods, Zeus and the whole uh, batch. 
And, uh, and, they, and they were very, very advanced, and they were kind of high society. Thank you very much, the high society. And so they took over, and, and some of the Jewish people in Israel were like, they kind of wanted to fit in. You know, they wanted to kind of assimilate into that culture. And so they kind of adopted some of these Greek ways and the Greek way of thinking. But, but, but this set up a real conflict, and, and those Greek-style Jews were called Hellenistic Jews. We see this even in the New Covenant. There was this internal struggle between the religious Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. And eventually, though, what happened is that typically in, in, uh, in the Seleucid Empire, once they took over other countries, they kind of let them have their own gods, have their own culture, but, but not always. And, and in this case, we saw in Judea there was this real conflict between the, the zealots, the religious Jews who wanted to follow Torah, wanted to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, versus the Hellenistic Jews who were like Greek mindset, Greek gods, and all that kind of stuff. Well, a Seleucid king came in to that area named Antiochus Epiphanes. You've heard of him, of course. And, and he was like, you know what? Enough of this. I am done with these religious Jews. And, and the, what they do is unacceptable. And he came in to subdue the religious Jews in a most forceful way. How so? One of, the, one of the most significant signs we see in the scripture of the covenant that God made with the Jewish people is Brit Milah, the covenant of circumcision. He outlawed circumcision. Already, just doing that, he's declaring war on the Jewish people. He made study of Torah punishable by death. He ransacked the temple. He sacrificed pigs on the altar of the temple. Folks, if you don't know anything about Judaism, it's not nice. It's not nice. It's not kosher. I mean, that, that's an that's a, that's a intentional slight right into the eyeball of the Jewish people, sacrificing pigs there. And compounded with that, he placed a statue of Zeus in the temple. I mean, this, this he, he, ultimate declaration of war against the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he was a brutal, brutal persecutor of the Jewish people, killing many, many thousands and tens of thousands. It's, it's always interesting how when it comes Hanukkah time, we always celebrate and we sing the song, we spin the dreidel, we have the, the menorah, the Hanukkah. And that's well and good, and that's great. People sometimes exchange gifts. It's beautiful. It's important. I love it. The guilt, it's great. I love it. I do. But at the same time, we, we don't want to miss the fact that this was brutal. He was brutal to the Jewish people. I mean, I, th think, think kind of like in the Haman. Very good. <laughs> You know, a kind of a way, or, or, or Nazi Germany. I mean, this, it was this bad. I mean, if you read some of the stories, I was reviewing in my notes some Hanukkahs from years past, and I think next year I'm going to talk again about Hannah. Some, some of the stories from Hanukkah are so powerful and, and will just literally make you cry. It was brutal, 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 but they had the power. Well, all of this was understandably unacceptable, and a band of Jewish religious zealots who said, no, we believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we want to bring God back into Judea and, and to take over here in Israel. So a band of Jewish zealots uh, led first by the priest, Mattathias the Hasmonean, then by his son, Judah Maccabee. People think Judah Maccabee, Maccabee is his last name. That's not, it's, it's a, a nickname. Maccabee means the hammer or hammer, okay? Judah the Maccabee, 
uh, the son of Mattathias. Okay, they revolted against the Syrian Greeks. They revolted, but you have to understand this was this was a <laughs> think of think of almost Israel in 1948 uh, and some of the some of the battles where the Jewish people were so outnumbered. You think you think of uh, scriptures, so many of the stories of Gideon and uh, about how he was so outnumbered. This is one of these stories. I mean, they had nothing. They had nothing. And, and, and eventually victory would be achieved and the temple would be restored, if only for a short amount of time. But this victory was nothing short of amazing. It was absolutely remarkable. Judah and the Maccabees fought a guerrilla war against a vastly superior standing army. Uh, Tom up here is, uh, is a military veteran. He served uh, in Iraq uh, and, and in uh, military intelligence. Okay, listen, this, this, Tom, you, you wouldn't have liked these odds. Without God on your side, you'd have been in trouble. I mean, it's a huge standing army. Sometimes tens and tens of thousands versus only 1,000, 2,000. If you study some of the battles of the Maccabean Revolt, when, when, the, when these Jewish people came up to, to try to, to throw off the, the Syrian Greek rule and this pagan rule and this Greek religion rule over them, it was very difficult. Only in time with success did they gain more followers. It took some time. So this guerrilla warfare, and they started seeing successes. And so the Jewish people started rallying and said, yes, okay, we're going to come more and more. And what did they do? They wanted to restore Jerusalem. They wanted to restore Judaism and cast off the false gods of the Greeks. They wanted to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they did so in something that we still celebrate 2,000 years later that was celebrated also in the time of Yeshua. We read about it in the New Covenant. Yes, in the New Covenant. It, talks, it mentions Hanukkah, of course, also. Very, very important. And what they did was of great significance. And the 100 years, 100 year, has many an empire that they started, which was Jewish rule again over in Jerusalem and, and Judea, would be the last autonomous Jewish government in Israel, other than briefly during the result, revolts, until 1948. Until, until the, that blue and white flag right there was lifted in 1948, May 14th, 1948, when Israel became a nation again. The last time they ruled, other than a little bit during some of the revolts, was during the 100-year Hasmonean Empire, the Maccabean Empire, if I could put it that way. When the Maccabees revolted against the, the Greeks. Absolutely amazing, a, 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 an unbelievable story. It's an unbelievable story of great courage for sure. But you have to understand, my friends, Mattathias and his family went, wait for it, all in. They went all in. Mattathias was all in. How do we know this? I mean, just think about it for a second. The odds of having any success against the most powerful army that was really on the world at the time was almost nothing. They were this ragtag group of, of, of bandits trying to say, you know, yeah, for Narnia, <laughs> you know, <laughs> For, for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, yes, and come on, it's like, come on, guys, there's nobody behind me, that's all right, let's go, it's like, it was so brave 
To do something like that, friends, you gotta be all in. It's interesting, we've been in a political um, environment here in, in the United States. Still are, I guess, here in Georgia, of course, you know, make sure you vote. But, uh, and there's great disagreement and there's disunity in the country and it's hard and difficult. And that's well and good and fair and listen, a lot of commentary on both sides on this. But this is a different league right here. These are people who quite literally are, are putting their necks on the line for, for, for the cause of God and, and following what he says in his word. Literally putting their necks, I mean, in fact, not just putting their necks on the line, but they, they, they volunteered to do something that almost assuredly would cost them their lives. That's all in, friends. That's all in. There's, you know, this isn't, there's no joke. And in fact, Mattathias, the, the priest, we're talking about a Kohen. He was a Kohen. He was in the line of, of high priests. Mattathias had five sons. Judah Maccabee was one of his sons. Judah Maccabee was the one who led the revolt that eventually won. Mattathias had five sons. Three of his five sons killed in the Maccabean revolts. Three of the five. It's interesting. People talk about Judah Maccabee as the great hero, and surely he was. But sadly, he didn't get to enjoy the, the victory because he was killed in the Maccabean revolt. He didn't get to, to really enjoy it. In around 160 B.C., B.C., he was, he was killed in the Maccabean revolt. Three out of the five were killed, and the other two, thereafter, assassinated. All five of his, his sons were killed, all five of them. That's all in, my friends. That is all in. This brings me to a question for you today. Are you all in? Are you all in? See, you can't be lukewarm. We talked about that. There's some of you perhaps who become a little too complacent, not hot, not all in. And I get it. Listen, I recognize this and I, I feel it. COVID-19 has worn us all down some. I feel like collectively we as a people in the United States are just a bit worn out with COVID. I mean, my gosh, it's just been quite a year. It's been tough for many people. And many people who get out of the habit of coming regularly to services and Tuesday scripture study has dulled some people to a level of complacency. Friends, we have to retain our passion for God even if we are socially distanced. <laughs> we still have to retain our passion for God even if we're watching services remotely from the internet. We still have to retain our passion for God. You know, it's not easy. For the seven months we were doing exclusively online, and who knows, we may go back to that for a while, we'll have to see. But, but the point is, is that it's not easy. It's not easy to retain that zeal. I know early on, uh, there were so many uh, families that, that when the, the stream started coming out in March and April, man, they were there every, they would not miss one. They were like, wow, and we were pretty crummy at it back then. Let's face it, we were not very good at the live stream. I mean, we were doing our best, but we were kind of like the Maccabees, man, just a ragtag group of people with a camera, and it's like, hi, everybody, what are we doing? We don't know. And so we were trying our best, you know, Chris, we were trying our best, man, and, uh, but, but it was not easy, right? But everybody was watching. Everybody was like, wow, this is the best ever. Thank you, Rabbi and team. And it's just wonderful. And they gather their family every, every Shabbat, make sure we don't miss it. You know, come, 
July, August, September. Hmm. Services online? Yeah, yeah, well, we'll catch it next week. Yeah, well, I'm going to sleep in. It's been to... Uh, it's a fade. Come on, y'all. We know it's so easy, especially with everything going on with COVID. Friends, we got to retain our passion for God. It's hard. It's hard. Times like this make it especially hard, right? But we have to retain that. I'm going to tell you about a, a story that you know of, and that is David. I'm not talking about King David. I'm talking about little boy David. 1 Samuel chapter 17, you know this story well, but man, it just holds new meaning if you think about it in this context, David. <laughs> well, there's David right there. It's funny, David's my sound guy today, and I was just talking about, I was just talking about a teenager named David. Hey, teenager named David. Shalom, mashallah. David was merely a teenager when this great warrior Goliath of the Philistines came out on the battlefield and he challenged any Israelite warrior to personal combat. Ooh. All of Israel's army was afraid for 40 days. They were on ridges in the Valley of Eli. If you go there, it's on my advanced tour where we go to the Valley of Eli. You've been there before with me. It's just an amazing place to be. And you see the two ridges where the Israelites would have been and the Philistines would have been and the valley in between where Goliath would have come out, you know. And, and so uh, no one came out to challenge Goliath, the, the giant who was there. And, and, and the obvious reason why they didn't go out to challenge him was because, hello, he was a giant. He was a giant. In the days when the average man was, was no greater than five feet, Goliath was around seven feet tall. And David was only a young teenager. But David was incensed that this Philistine would come against the Lord's army. So let's hear what David did. And friends, you got to think about it in the context of everything we've been talking about. Think about what David did and what he said and what this means about what his mindset was. 1 Samuel 17, just think about that. Think about this teenage boy going up against, with, with, with no armor, going up against this giant military guy, fully armored, with his armor bearer, sword in hand, everything. Verse 40, then he took, all, took his staff in his hand, meaning David, chose five smooth stones from the valley, put them in the pocket of his shepherd's bag that he had, and with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine drew near and approached David with his shield bearer in front of him. Now, when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was just a ruddy boy with a handsome appearance. Then the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Then the Philistines cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me so that I may give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Oof, man, that's intimidating. Then David said to the Philistine, you are coming to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I am coming to you in the name of Adonai Tzavaot, the Lord of hosts, God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day Adonai will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and take your head off you, and I will give the carcasses of the Philistine camp today to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth. Then all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel for the battle belongs to Adonai, and he will give you into our hands. Amen. 
When I hear David say all this, I have two words come to mind. All in, exactly. All in. Are you kidding me? This teenage boy was all in. Coming up against this giant with nothing but a sling? Seriously? A teenager against this huge man? All in. And, 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 he, and it didn't sound like he had fear in his, in, his, in his voice, did it? King David was not afraid. Or he wasn't King David. This was teenage David. He was not afraid. All in. Man, that is some boldness. That is some bravery. That is some courage. That is some commitment. See, some people are in only if it's convenient, if it works into their schedule. I need my rest. I need my me time. I need my me time, Rabbi. Sorry, but I need my me time. See, not to say that there shouldn't be balance in life. There certainly should, but most people aren't near overbalanced serving God, trust me. <laughs> not, not that you can be. You, you can't be that way only if it's convenient. Some people say, I'll be involved. I'll be involved a little. You have to be more than involved. You have to be committed. You can't just be involved. Be committed. You know the old story. <laughs> I know it's not kosher. But commitment some of you know this. Commitment can best be illustrated by a breakfast of ham and eggs. The chicken was involved. The pig was committed. <laughs> by extension, my friends, all in means serving others. Serving others. All in means when a brother or sister needs help you're there to help. Somebody need a meal delivered. Somebody need a phone call. Be there for them. Somebody need help moving. Oh. Moving. <laughs> Someone need a shoulder to cry on. Be there. I love what Brian said earlier about his wife, Lynn, who had this surgery and a lot of people were there for her and she also, within the same month we talked about this, lost her father. And that's, that's a tough month. Have to have unexpected emergency surgery, basically. Then plus you lose your father in the same month. That's tough. You know, but you need people to rally around you, you know. And, and, and you got to be there for people. This is part of what being all in is. And not just when it's easy or convenient. It's, it's oftentimes not easy or convenient. This means volunteering also, not just necessarily waiting to be asked. This happens, it's interesting, this happens rarely, but it happens. And when it happens, it really is refreshing and surprising and is teaching. Not just waiting to be asked or, or something that you, recently we had a dear member tell us, that he wanted to help us out by redoing our doors in the lobby of the synagogue next door. Okay, our synagogue, you know, in the lobby, the back doors when you exit and enter, for that matter, but the, specifically in the lobby when you exit, those, those stained wooden doors, they were rough looking, man. They, they had the, the lacquer, but people had put tape on it to tape up things, and the lacquer had all peeled off, and 
It just looked haggard. It really did. And every single person saw it when you walk out the door from the lobby. And this person came. We, it wasn't on our radar. We just had a lot of other things going on. And he came and said, I'd like to help uh, redo the doors. And it was a lot of, we said, uh, 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 okay. And it was a lot of work, man. He came, he sanded. Then he sanded. Then he sanded. Oh, my gosh, it was a lot of sanding. It, I thought about calling him Sandy. <laughs> it really didn't happen. Okay, say, then he primed, then he stained, then he sealed. It took like two weeks to do those two doors. I didn't ask this guy to do this. He just wanted to do it. Another member who, who moved not too long ago to South Georgia created the Western Wall right there, here in the community center. That Western Wall didn't just appear the builders of this building didn't build the Western Wall. That took some effort, my friends. That took, that took a lot. Think about how much time it took for somebody to map that out, put it all together, get the stones looking stained in certain kind of ways. We had one member just say, I want to do this. I didn't ask him to do that. Unbelievable. Another future member recently said, I see your Riminim on top of the Torah scroll. The, the, the bells and, the, you know, in the shape of pomegranates on top of the, the Torah scrolls and the crown. He said, I could see they're all dented up and, and some of the bells are missing. He's a jeweler. He said, can I take those and, and, and fix them for you? Uh, no. <laughs> we were like, sure. Yeah, it's, this is silver. It's sterling. I mean, it's not easy or inexpensive to do. And he took, he said, okay, I'll take them kind of one batch at a time. He took them one batch at a time, brought them back, shiny, beautiful, good as new. So shiny. In fact, Bruce Tainowitz, last Shabbat, looked at him and said, I could shave looking at this. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like Bruce? He's from Brooklyn, Brooklyn Jew. I could shave looking at this. I'm... Love that. Absolutely love that. I didn't ask him to do that. Before the pandemic, we had another member who came and asked, uh, said, can I, I just want to come in. I have a little extra time. Do you think Amber might need some help preparing for the children every Tuesday, for Tuesday nights? And I said, let me give you Amber's number. I'll have Amber give you a call. I feel pretty confident. She probably, Amber was like, yes, thank you. Oh, thank you. And Amber said, but, but, but what, what I need is stuff like, you know, cutting things out, getting it ready for the teachers. It's kind of menial stuff, tacking things up, getting supplies ready. And they were like, great, I'm happy to help. And so they came every week for years, helping, volunteering for, for just, just, just to help out, to serve the Lord. Didn't ask him to do this, all in. Another member Ask. I mean, I'm giving you examples. These are real true examples just to give you an idea of the kind of heart that we should be seeking. Another member came and said, <clears throat> during this pandemic, you know, we've been trying to cut expenses, y'all. It's, 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 it's challenging, to say the least. I think that kind of makes sense. And we're trying to cut expenses, and we had a lawn service. We said, well, maybe we should just do it. Our, some of our guys then, uh, Jesus and our facilities people were doing it and stuff, and one of the members said, you know, can I come and just mow the, the congregation's lawn? And I said, well, let me talk to Jesus. I think he'd probably be very open to that. 
And, uh, and sure enough, came in, there is this engineer. I mean, we're not talking about a you know, schlub <laughs> Yiddish. We're talking about a, a, a very, very highly trained engineer mowing our lawn here at Bethel. Man, I didn't ask him to do that. It speaks volumes to me. We need somebody to help us with our lights. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Other members stepped to the plate to help some of our senior members in shut-ins during this season. Helped out. I love when Kesher, Keshers are 25 to 40-year-old group. You know, they're very socially conscious, these young adults. And, and there was, they had their event scheduled in December, and I said, well, what do you guys want to do? And they said, we want to do something different. We want to help frontline COVID healthcare workers. We want to, we want to sponsor a free luncheon for them, just, just to pay for lunch for, for a group. Just, it'll be a random thing, but it's something to help. And I said, well, okay, sure. I mean, what do you want to do? And they said, yeah, we want our December event to be we're going to spend time in prayer for them, all frontline workers, and we're going to, from amongst ourselves, we're going to raise, collect an offering just, just for the purpose of raising some money to pay for food for the healthcare COVID workers. And I said, wow, whatever you raise, Bethlehem will match it. We want to, we want to help. This is, this is good. I love the heart, man, right? Helping out in this way. God bless you all, all in, all in. Now, you may be sitting out there saying, well, I've messed up, Rabbi, I've messed up in the past, I've done. Well, if you've messed up, get back up again. Peter loved the Lord, Matthew chapter 26. Peter loved the Lord, but listen to what he said to Yeshua at the last Passover, right before Yeshua would be betrayed. And, and he would die on the tree of sacrifice, although he would rise again. But he was partaking Passover with his disciples, his Talmudim. As a side note, yes, Yeshua celebrated Passover. It's in the book. He was a Jewish rabbi. He did all the holidays. Okay, Matthew 26, verse 31. There they are at Passover. And Yeshua said to them, this is the day before he was going to be betrayed and, and go to the tree of sacrifice. Then Yeshua said to them, This night you will all fall away because of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to the Galilee. But Peter replied to him, Though all fall away because of you, I'll never fall away. All right, Peter, yes. (laughs) But Yeshua knew what he was about to do. Yeshua said to him, Truly, I tell you, Peter, this very night, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You know, at that point, Peter probably should have just kept his mouth closed. (laughs) But Peter, man, he was zealous. God bless him. He was trying his best. And so he replied, verse 35, even if I must die with you, Peter said to him, I'll never deny you. And so said all the disciples. Of course, we know that Peter denied Yeshua only a few hours later, three times, so Peter had been so all in, he had that all in mentality, but then he blew it. Friends, you're going to blow it. Sometimes you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes you're going to slip up. Sometimes you're going to go into that place where, you're, where you skip the watching it online or, or come into a service. You're going to skip the opportunity to help somebody when you know you should, whatever it is. You're going to s- speak rudely to, to your spouse or to somebody else when you know you should. You've uh, be doing something differently. You're not going to be all in at times. And when that happens, you got to get back up again. 
In John chapter 21, Peter reinstates, rather Yeshua reinstates Peter. We were there where that happened too. Dr. Susan remembers that. Yeshua forgives Peter and tells him, feed my sheep. Peter went on, of course, to be one of the greatest ambassadors of God and one of the most powerful messianic rabbis in history. Peter changed the world, but he had to be all in, and he was all in thereafter. And it did eventually cost him his life, but he would say it was worth it. Some of you are married. Don't treat your spouse with the love and respect that you should. That's not all in. Some of you children, don't honor your elders. All in means going out of your way to serve. One of the things I remember as a teenager was watching my father when he was a rabbi here and our congregation was smaller. Our congregation was probably about this size when I was a teenager. And, and I remember watching and somebody would come up to him and say, Rabbi, the toilet is clogged. And he'd say to me, Kevin, give me a, give me a plunger. I'm going to go plunge it. People saw this, right? And after a while, they, they realized, well, I guess that's what we should do. Then if there's a clog, they'd ask for a, a plunger themselves, and not bring it to the rabbi anymore. Why? Because they knew what you're supposed to do. Rabbi had modeled that. You got to be all in. That's, that's really all in. You know, you plunge in for other people. I won't get into it, but that's really deeply all in. <laughs> That's the attitude we got to have. All in. Or how about your finances? I very rarely talk about this. But I'll tell you forthrightly, with COVID and everything, our tides are down this year. And God bless you. I know some of you have been particularly faithful, especially in this season, knowing that it's a difficult time. But I also know that some of our members can't even pay the light bill. I know that some of our members have slacked off since they've not been here in person. In fact, some slacked off before the pandemic even hit. In the membership, when you join, there's a commitment to, to bring our finances to the Lord and our tithes and offerings. Hear me, if you, want, if you want at all to be all in, it simply has to include your finances. God talks about money more than almost anything in Scripture. Why? Because it's such a stronghold for people. Some of you members I'm speaking to right now, not tithing, you know who you are. Let me give you a two-syllable word. Lukewarm. And the, and the Lord, my dad also modeled this, man. He just never had an issue with money, man. He, he would give unto the Lord generously. Listen, a lot of you know my background. I can talk about it freely. I got no problems talking. I rarely talk about it, but I got no issues with it. Why? Because, gosh, I think you guys know my background. I got the MBA from Emory, worked at Coca-Cola and, and AT&T. I didn't come to be the rabbi for the money, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's for sure. We got to give our money to the Lord. You got to make that decision. Man, I put that wallet in, in to the, you know, for the Lord. If you lost your job and have nothing to give, then God bless you, man. Apply to the Benevolence Fund if you need help. We're here for you. But if God is, man, I tell you this, think about this. If God has generously blessed you with a steady job in the midst of this economic upheaval, and you're not giving to God even your basic 10%, then you're not close to all in. 
Some of you have some catching up to do the next few weeks before the end of the year. Some members, uh, Steve, they'll, they'll contact the office around this time of year and ask for a year-to-date number from the bookkeeper so they can see where they're at, what they need to make up. Or, of course, here's the other option for you. You could also conveniently forget or just ignore this part of the message. <laughs> hey, we live Mishbachai here. That's accountability. Accountability is a good thing, by the way. You want to be accountable. That's a good thing. Hebrews chapter 11. Finally, do you passionately seek God in your life? Not just when you're here at Beth Hillel or watching services online, but throughout your life. Hebrews eleven six. you know this scripture. Tom knows it by heart. Now without faith, it's impossible to please God. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Other translations say diligently seek him. We have to seek him. you got to seek God. Seek him diligently. Do you study the word of God? Do you read his word regularly? Do you pray regularly? Do you seek him passionately, genuinely? If you do, God says that he will reward you. He will reward you if you seek him diligently. Diligently. What is that? That's kind of all in. What do we do? We say this every Shabbat, Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you'd like to turn to it. It's the watchword of Israel. Yeshua calls it the most important commandment. And it's right from the Torah, right from the, we read the Shema, and then we read what? The, Vah- the Vihafta, right after that. And Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 and 6 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Yoel will tell you that if you, and, and Ava will tell you that if you read the Evrit, if you read the Hebrew there in the Viahafta, it's, it's, it's an unusual Hebrew word. It's not the typical Hebrew word that's used for the word strength. When it says all your strength, it actually uses a word that almost always in Hebrew is used as an adverb. It's not really strength, it's not the word. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your me'od. Me'od means very. Me'od means very. So the the, the translators had a tough time with this word, uh, translating it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your very. (laughs) It's been translated as might, as power, as mind. Yeshua translates it that way, right? Or strength. And others with Everything. These words that I'm commanding you today are to be on your heart. God says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. All, all, all. Beloved, it is time to push in your chips. Because with God, it is definitely a winning hand. Happy Hanukkah, the title of my message is, you can guess it, All In. Let's bow our heads. If that's you and you've never committed your life to God, you've never said, yes, I, I want to receive my atonement through the Messiah, I believe it's Yeshua, I want to follow him, I want to give God a chance in my life. That's really the ultimate All In. If you've never made a commitment to follow Yeshua, but you want to today, wherever you are, lift your hand, we'll pray together. If you've never made that commitment to follow Yeshua, but you want to. Just raise your hand if that's you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
I pray for our whole congregation. Lord, I pray that we be a congregation, that we be Beth all in, <laughs> house of all in, that all of us are all in collectively. That's what Mishpachah is about too, family. It's about being all in, all in with each other, all in with you, God. Lord, let us lift each other up, Lord. Let us seek your face. Let us love you, God, with all, with all, with all mind, soul, strength, heart, with all. Let us be all in. Let us have that mindset, God. We love you with all of our hearts. <laughs> thank you, God, Lord, for teaching us this. We thank you for these things and for this beautiful Shabbat and this Hanukkah and the fact that we know that you're all in for us. We love you, God. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.